here tonight. I'm glad. I, I was kind of leery. I walked down the hallway and I looked down there. I'm like, oh my goodness, man, <laughs> just had online services tonight. But I'm glad that it's just packed on this side over here. And uh, I'm glad that Shan's kind of, I know, gave us some little help over here from Miss Shelley. And uh, she's all by herself. And I think she was singing that song too. But um, anyway. It's uh, good to have you, and I was told on Saturday night that I have to learn, I have to learn to hit the pulpit and stomp my foot at the same time, because you see some people will, will, will nod off, and it's something, I, I tried to do it upstairs, but I just, you know, it's just hitting the pulpit and like that, I guess, just to wake some people up, because some people start nodding, and, uh, you know, just uh, have a hard time staying awake, and I've always been told, though, that it's usually if somebody's falling asleep, it's the preacher's fault. And uh, so hopefully <laughs> it won't be my fault. And he was reading that, the, the, you know, the, the best preacher, is that what it was? Best preacher? The perfect pastor. I should give you a high five for that, shouldn't I? And the perfect pastor. And uh, inside joke. But uh, um, the perfect pastor, he hit, he hit that first one. I'm like, 10 minutes. I'm like, hey, I'm going to work for that. But then he got to the $40. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And uh, uh, $40. If you have your Bible, open them up to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and uh, this is, uh, uh, like I told you last time, it's kind of uh, one of the Sunday school lessons we went over last year, last October, and uh, I asked my boys this morning, I think it was, or last night, or I don't remember when, I said, do you all remember this lesson? And they looked at me, and Justin's all like, yeah, yeah, Tyler's like, no, I'm like, Justin, you're lying to me, son, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I said, I understand, I understand. So we're at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and uh, we're going to look at verse 1 there, read a few verses, you follow along. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And as I was going through this, I'm thinking, that's kind of weird that they would ask that question. It's like Samuel had come there before, but he did not come peaceably. And that's, that's you know, that's interesting thought right there. I didn't, you know, go back on that. But uh, that, that was, I don't know, that just, that's interesting right there. And he said peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he took on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, but I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, 
are the, here all thy children? And he said, well, there remaineth yet the, the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And, and Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him now, and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help me tonight. Lord, help me to be a blessing to the people that are here, people listening to the sound of the voice, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, you're going to just, uh, I just want to be a blessing. I want to be a help. And uh, Lord, I thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. And just give us a good night. In Jesus' name, amen. Here, we talk about uh, uh, David and uh, Samuel, and Samuel looking for, looking for the man of God, looking for the king. And you know, I, I believe, I believe that, uh, that the Lord is still looking for young people today. I believe he's looking in the hearts of young people and adults and, and uh, middle-aged people and older people, and he's looking at your heart and looking for people that he can use. I believe that God's still looking for a young man, a, a young lady that he can use. We see in 1 Samuel 16 that God rejected. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, and, and the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? God rejected Saul and is looking to anoint the next king. God called Samuel during this time of the prophet, during one of the most tragic times in history. During the reign of King Saul, the prophet Samuel became extremely heavily hearted. Turn your Bible back a little bit, one page, for 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. The Bible says in verse 7, it says, uh, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah unto thou come, until thou comest to Ashur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, of the fatlands, of the lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Because of his disobedience during this time, because Saul's disobedience during this time, boy, Samuel is mourning, he's crying, he's upset at that, uh, that uh, the Lord had rejected Saul. Samuel had a broken heart. And as he thought about the nation, Saul, I mean, because Saul was the people's choice. He was the best of the flesh. But we are going to learn that God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. I try to get that to the young people. I try to get that to the young folks. The fact that God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. The Lord revealed to Samuel that a man had been found. That a man had been found here, that, that he knew exactly who it was. Did you know that David has mentioned the Bible over 1,000 times? 1,127 different times. In comparison, Paul is mentioned 
only 54 times. I'm sorry, it's mentioned only 163 times. Only a handful of chapters are given to Abraham and Joseph. 54 chapters are given to the life of David, not including Psalms. Our God has placed an unmistakable emphasis on the life of David. So what is it about the man that God wants to, us to know? What is so special about David that God mentioned him over a thousand times? I don't know if it was your name or my name mentioned in a book a couple times. We'd be excited about that, right? I mean, we're excited about the one main book, right? The book of life. That's exciting. We get excited about that. Nod your head and make sure that you're here. And wake up already. Man. And uh, we're excited, uh, but, but to have 1,127 times in the Bible, we see in 1 Samuel, in verse 16, God announced, I have provided me a king. We see that in the last part uh, of verse 1. The Bible says, it says, fill thine horn with oil and go, and I'm, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehem, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Then he instructed Samuel in verse 3, And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. You know, this, the Lord is still, I believe, searching today for those that he can bless and that he can use. I believe he's looking in the hearts of young people today. He's looking in the hearts of adults today. And he wants to use you, and he wants to use you in a mighty way. He is searching this very moment for those who have a heart for him. He sees what men do not see. He looks where men cannot look. He spies out the spiritual lives and sees what is in our hearts. We see that in verse 7 of chapter 16, the last part. You've heard it preached on before. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the what? On the heart. On the heart. Boy, can you imagine, can you imagine being there when uh, uh, Samuel came to Jesse and said, hey, I need to see your boys, and, and uh, uh, he brings the first one in, and boy, he looks good, and looks strong, and I, I, mm -hmm, yeah, that's it, and then uh, he says no, the Lord says no on that, and then he brings all seven of them by, and he says, uh, do you have another one? Do you have another one? Often overlooked principle that unfolds in the Bible is that God begins something long before men ever see evidence of it. That God begins something long before that men ever see evidence of it. For example, Saul had been rejected long before the people ever saw it. Uh, David was crowned to be the uh, anointed to be a king long before the people ever realized that. You know, God raises up people to do mighty things. He searches for those who have a heart for him. And, oh, I want to have that desire. I want to be one that when the Lord looks at me, when he looks at my heart, he says, I can use that man right there. I can use that man. I, I, Brother John has the right heart. I, I can use him. When he looks at your heart, what does he see? When he looks at your heart, I know none of us are perfect, but I want him to find what he is looking for in my life. What about you? What about you? Oh, how we should desire God to find what he's looking for in our lives. You know, in every town, in every village, in every city, in every church, in every part of the country, in every country of the world, God is searching the hearts of the people. Because I believe he wants to use each and every one of us. God is looking in our neighborhood. He's looking in our workplace. He's looking in our schools. He's looking for someone that he can bless and that he can use. Do you want to be one of those people? 
Do you want to be one that God can take and use? I think most of us, I, I know at, at camp and the young people, they, they're all like, Man, I want to be used. You junior church, but they're all raising their hand. I want to be used of God. What about you and how is your heart? All of us are doing as much for God as we desire to do. That kind of hurts. All of us are doing as much for God as we want to do. All of us are uh, at the stage of our Christian lives where we desire to be. We are content to be where we are. We do not go any further with the Lord until we have a desire to do so. God can work on our hearts and create that desire. But listen, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one that's stagnant. I don't want to be the same that I was last year, the same type of Christian. I want to be growing. I want to be different. I want my heart to be different. I want to be closer to God. How is your heart? How is your heart tonight? You know, I do believe that God is still looking for young people. He's looking for adults. He's looking for middle-aged people. Across the board, he's looking for people that want to be used of God. Is that you tonight? Is that you? Is your heart? you sitting there saying, I want God to use me. I want God to use my family. I want God to use me. Listen, when he's looking for an anointed, he looks at all those seven young men, and uh, then he sees the heart of David. He sees his heart, and he sees something different in it. He sees something different. What is it in your life that, he would, that the Lord would see that's different in you? I think there's three things we have to understand and number one is that the lord is in control the lord is in control sometimes that's so hard to understand sometimes that's so hard to fathom that god is in control it appears to samuel that the kingdom was out of control saul's life was certainly out of control but god was still in control we seem to have the idea that when things around us are falling apart the whole world must be coming apart at the seams as well well, if you watch the news, well, it's that way, isn't it? You watch the news, you see everything on the news, and you see everything that's happened, even in Hattiesburg. And, and it's like, man, the world is just falling apart. Can I tell you that God is still in control? That God is still in control? Many times we don't understand, and there's been things going on in my life and things in the lives of, of young people and people that I say, I don't understand, but can we realize that God is still in control? We seem to have the idea when things are falling apart. When we see things like families falling apart, when we see things of this world that are happening that we don't understand, we must realize that God is in control. He still reigns over the universe. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Turn over there. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus. Who's in control? God's in control. 
It all goes back to the Lord is at hand in verse 5. We need not worry about anything because the Lord is at hand. God is always in control. And I've been guilty. I've been guilty to worry. I've been guilty. I've been one that has worried about things. Uh, if you have kids, you're, you're probably right there on that list. Yes, okay. I worry about my kids, where they're going. i got an activity tomorrow. We're going skiing, going to, and there's going to be boats. Yes, I'm worried. I, I, but who's in control? Who's in control? God's in control. Samuel was not happy that the people wanted a king over him. We see God asked Samuel, how long will you mourn for King Saul? How long are you going to be upset about this? How long will you live without trusting God in this matter? We see that in chapter 16, the first verse there. The Bible says, and the Lord said to Samuel, how long will thou mourn for Saul? See, I've rejected him. I've rejected him. How long will thou mourn? I have rejected him for reigning over Israel. Samuel was not happy. How long are you going to be upset about this? How long will you live without trusting God in this matter? You know, we all have things that are difficult to give to God. We all have that, that something maybe that happened in your life that we say, I don't understand this. And I could probably be right there with you and say, I don't understand that either. But it's difficult to give to God. However, it is not that we cannot give it to God, but it's that we will not give it to God. We will not. We won't give it to God. We won't take it and bring it down to the altar and give it to Him. We won't make it altar at our pew or at the house and say, Lord, I give this to you, Lord. You're in control, Lord. I don't understand this, Lord, but it's yours. You can have it because you're in control. We must trust God that he is in control. And just because we finally surrender to God does not mean that it's going to instantly disappear. Doesn't mean it's going to all of a sudden just disappear. Sometimes we have to wait on God and his timing. And listen, sometimes that's hard to do. I've told the young people, one of the hardest things to do in life is to wait. Not just for the young people. I think that's for adults as well. <laughs> There's times in my life that I have not waited. I have not, I, you know, TV broke, don't have the money, LSU is about to play in a big championship game, let's go out and buy a TV and spend $1,000. Stupid. Okay? I, listen, I, I had no busy spending the money, but listen, uh, wait on God, not that he was going to give me a TV, but I should have waited, okay? He could do that too, though. Uh, as we yield our life to Christ and understand that he is in control, we will find the peace that we all want. Back to waiting on God. I try to tell the young people, wait. Just wait on God. Wait on Him. You know, we want to, and I've used this illustration before. You've probably heard it before. I know I've used it at camp before. You know, we see, we see uh, Chuck E. Cheese, and we get excited about that. And we see, uh, maybe even down at Foley, they got that new little amusement park. And, Woo, that's exciting. And man, it's exciting. We want that. And, but God has Disney World over here for us. And we don't want to wait on God. And if you've been to Disney World, it's, it's pretty cool. Right, it's a pretty cool little place, a big place, big place. And, uh, uh, but it, it's, it, we don't want to wait on God. I, I, I go back to uh, a, a time that, uh, you know, we don't like to go back to, but the dating, you know, before you're married, and you, 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 you um, oh, okay, maybe, and you, no, no, not that one. And then, you, no, no, not this one over here. And no, not that one. And then uh, finally, finally say, okay, Lord, all right, Lord, you got to do it. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. I, it, it's in your hands. 
man, Lord brings you, you know, someone awesome. And uh, she brought, she, Lord brought her somebody awesome too. And, uh, and uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, poor her. Uh, Samuel was mourning for Saul when God was in control and had somebody else in mind to rule. You know, when we stop and realize that the Lord is in control of everything, we can have great peace. We can have great peace. And I know it's hard to do. It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done, but God is in control. And in this time here, God says, hey, listen, listen, Samuel, I got this. I got this. I can take care of this. I got the next king sitting over here. Number two, number one, the Lord's in control. Number two, the Lord is always working. The Lord is always working. You know, we may not always see God's work, but he is always working. He was preparing David when no one knew much about him except the Lord. If you read carefully in chapter 16, you will see that God dealt with Samuel. He dealt with Jesse, and then he dealt with Jesse's son. Then finally, God dealt with David. God dealt with each one in a different way. Can I tell you, the Lord is always working. Samuel, full of worry, finally realized that God's in control. Seven sons had passed by, and King Samuel thought, not not be David, for he was too small for God to use. But can I tell you that God used a shepherd boy that had a heart for God. And he had a heart for sheep. He loved the sheep. He would give his life for the sheep. Isn't that amazing? That God was, God was working even way back then. And the Lord is always working. God was conditioning uh, David's heart. God was conditioning David's life even back then to be king someday. He was conditioning his heart to be used of God. How is God conditioning your heart today? How, how has God been conditioning your heart? You know, things happen, and we don't understand how, how, why some things happen in life. And, and I look back at my life and why things happen, but I can't tell you that God has been conditioning my heart to help people in certain ways that I thought I would never be able to help people. But God was conditioning me to be able to help people how is he conditioning your heart today? Maybe the things that you've gone through, the things you're going through today, how is God conditioning you? There was this man, uh, I don't know, growing up, uh, we had uh, a fish tank, and, and uh, we had some Oscars. I don't know if you've had an Oscar before. We had two or three of them. You know, you buy them like this, and by the time they grow two or three years, you know, they're like this. They're huge, ginormous, and, uh, and uh, we would buy goldfish, and and dump those in there, and, and it was awesome because, you know, they swim in suck those things in and eat them, and uh, it was great. The, the scales would come out the, the gills of the, the Oscars, and it was, it was pretty cool. And, uh, uh, but there was this man, and he had a big fish tank, and he had two or three big fish in there, and uh, that fish tank, uh, he, he, wanted, he wanted some other fish to go in that tank, and he went and bought some more, and he dumped those in there, and the big fish would eat them every time. And he's like, man, how am I going to, how, how am I going to take care of this? What am I going to do? And he started thinking, and 
Well, I, I know what I'll do is he got a, 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 a plastic tube that was clear and he t- it was about this big and he stuck it down there in the fish tank and, and just to the top and he took those, those little fish and he put them inside of that tube and, and uh, at first, boy, the big fish came out, boom, boom, try to, try to get to them. But after day after day, realizing that they could not get to the little fish, they gave up. And after a couple weeks' time, that man was able to take out the pipe, and they would all just swim together because the big fish had got conditioned to the fact that they couldn't eat the little fish. They were being conditioned. They, they were conditioned to that. Listen, right now, the Lord is working in your life. The Lord is working in your life. And maybe it's circumstances that we don't understand. Maybe it's circumstances we can't explain. But God is working, and He's conditioning your heart to be used someday. The fish had been conditioned to believe that it could not be done. You know, so many of God's children have come to believe that it cannot be done. So many, so many people have been conditioned to believe that God's not working anymore, and that God can't work in my life. Oh, look at what I've done. Some of the young people are like, this is what I've done, and God can't use me. Can I tell you, that is a lie of Satan. That is a lie of Satan. God can take those circumstances and he can take those things that are going on in your life and use them in a mighty way, maybe to help somebody someday. He can take those circumstances and he's conditioning you to be used of God. We allow our minds to be conditioned to believe that God is not going to do great things. We think God may work somewhere else, but he's not going to work here. Can I tell you that God is working here? God is working at Central Baptist Church. There are great things going on here at Central Baptist Church. Really, there are. Thought I'd get more amens right there. and Maybe, there we go, wake them up. But God is always working. We should desire for God to do mighty work in our lives and in the lives of families and in our church. Listen, I desire that. I want God to use me in a mighty way. I want God to use me, and I want God to look at my heart and say, listen, I can use that heart. I can use that man. What about you? What about your life? The Lord's always working. Number three, the Lord uses people others overlook. Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your boys? Excuse me. I have a younger boy named David. Jesse would have brought him in if he thought that God wanted to use him. Can you imagine being David at this point? Can you imagine? You think about that. Okay, here's Jesse and, and the dad, and even the old, his own dad does not think that he would be the next king because he brought seven of them to Samuel and not David because, you know, he's smaller, and he probably would not, you know, maybe... The Bible says he was good looking, but maybe at that time, you know, uh, Samuel, he's standing there thinking, what junior high boy is coming to me now? <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're just starting to grow their whiskers and their beard and, you know, and they're just kind of weird and they walk funny and, and they're not quite coordinated, you know, and, and you know, Samuel said he's going to stand until he comes. He's waiting there for him. I'm thinking, you know, Samuel's got to be thinking, oh man, the youngest, oh man. And uh, can you imagine? But even but even his, his dad did not think that he would be the king. He brought seven up. Not the drink. That just came to me. I just... And then he says, well, don't you have another one? 
don't you have another son? Well, you know, I do, but he's on the backside. He's over here. He always, he's watching the sheep, and we'll bring him here. We're not sitting down until he gets over here. Hopefully, he wasn't a long ways away, and they brought him in. He was anointed to be the next king. Can you imagine what Samuel was thinking, waiting? Knowing David and the heart he had for God, can you imagine how he would have loved to have been in the meeting with Samuel? Man, can you imagine David? I'm sure he'd heard of Samuel before. And he, he comes to and he sees Samuel he's like, oh, the man of God. Man, have you ever been around people like that where you just, you, 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 you okay, I've been, I've been places like that where like, you know, you know they're going to go out to eat. Probably, you know, uh, uh, maybe, okay, I used Brother Don Sisk, you know, when he comes. Man, I just want to spend time with him. I want to, if I can, spend time with Brother Don Sisk as much time as I can. So you're like, Brother Jeremiah, are we going out to eat tonight? You know, Brother Jeremiah, you know, I like to be part. I want to, I want to just hear stories that he has to, to, to tell. I want to be a part of that. Can you imagine David as he came and he's like, he's like, man, Samuel, oh, man, how come you left me out of this? How come you left me out? You would have thought it was the greatest privilege of his life to be there when the prophet Samuel came on his journey from Ramah. But he was overlooked and forgotten. David was only in his teens when he was anointed to be king. The Lord uses people that others overlook. Can I tell you, many times, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but many times in the youth department, the one that is the most talented, the one that has all things going on for them, usually don't do anything for God or not much. A lot of times it's the one that people overlook. A lot of times it's the one that people just kind of, oh, yeah, you got that guy over there. Yeah, we'll take him, you know. He's the sixth six, uh, six man on the basketball team or the sixth man on the, on the volleyball team. That's not going to work. Uh, seventh man on the volleyball team. And, and uh, you know, he picks them. And, and it's, it's the, the people that overlooked in life. God uses people others overlook. This is what Paul meant. Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, the Bible says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is what Paul meant when he wrote this. God works in such a way that he gets the glory. The glory belongs to the Lord, not to men. Salvation is the starting point, and God desires to finish the work that he has started in our lives. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And look at verse 6. The Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Think of what God did with this shepherd boy. The Lord said to David, I took thee from a sheep coat from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. There's a God in heaven who desires to bless and use you tonight. 
There's a God in heaven that wants to use you. And I believe we have some great young people here that have a desire to serve God. I believe we have great people that want to serve God. They want to see great things here at Central Baptist Church. But how is your heart tonight? I believe God's still looking for some young people. And he's still looking for some adults. He's still looking for some middle-aged people that will say, Lord, here's my life. Lord, I want to be used. I want to be used, Lord. And listen, let's get our heart right then. If there's something going on in your heart, let's get it right tonight. Listen, I, I want to be one that God can look down and say, I can use that man because his heart. How oh, he's not perfect. I'm nowhere near perfect. I know that. I know it. But I want to be one that God can use. What about you? What about you tonight? Every head bowed and every eye closed.